0: Hey, this is Matt Dwyer, and I just want to invite you to check out themattdwyer.com. That's my website. It's a landing spot for all things that are the podcast, like my Patreon page. For $5 a month, you could become a Patreon subscriber. You get bonus blogs, bonus content. A lot of my interviews go two hours, but I only post an hour. So there's the part two there. There's episodes in their entirety that unedited... A lot of stories that you might not hear in the podcast so go to com, become a patreon subscriber there's also merchandise you can buy t-shirts and a phone case i think those are the only two things i have right now but you can also find my social media and see the past episodes every episode is on there Um, you could see all, a lot of my past guests, you might discover some people you didn't know were on the show and be like, holy shit. He's had Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips or holy shit. He's had Danita Sparks from L7. So go to com, become a Patreon subscriber, buy some merch. Thank you. Welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is called "You're the Man." It is from the album Bitchcraft, and it is by the artist Bitch. It is out on Kill Rock Stars. It is a great album, as that song is great. I listened to it uh, just this morning on my morning dog walk. Good stuff, great stuff. And if you don't know, Bitch was once a part of a duo called Bitch and Animal. Then she went solo and took a little break and is back after a sort of a extended music break. Uh, this album is incredible. Please purchase it. It is in all links to Bitch are in the show notes, as all worthy things are. So please go buy it. Don't stream it. Stream it. Streaming is evil. We know this, especially fucking Spotify. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, just go to my website, themattdwire.com, and listen to it there. And speaking of which... There's extra content on my Patreon of Bitch and I, and you can watch the video. Here you get an hour. There you get an hour and a half, unedited, perhaps more personal stuff. That's up for you to decide. Either way, check that out. Also, I would like to plug a friend of mine's book, if that's okay, with you, Bentley Hale. My friend Bentley Hale wrote a book called Tequila Cocktail 75 Classic and Creative Agave-Based Recipes. And you could purchase that on Amazon. That is in the link. Uh, and it's time to move beyond margaritas and let tequila take center stage in a variety of craft cocktails featuring beginner-friendly guidance, flavor profiles, and top-shelf recipes. And I'm just going to go outside of reading that from her, her the page that sells the book. I worked for Bentley Hale. I was a bartender in a previous life, and so and she created all the cocktails at this bar I worked at, and she knows what she's doing. Uh, there, she creates really great cocktails, so I can totally trust that this book is going to be great. I haven't made any of the cocktails because I quit drinking. I'm going to make some though for my partner because she likes tequila, and I liked tequila, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Bentley is She knows what she's doing And uh, she also has a wine blog I, don't, I think she still does the wine blog Anyway, she knows her booze If you want to know more about booze Check out the Bentley Hale stuff And also, speaking of my partner If you need a website, my partner Kelly R. DeWire does websites She does them for podcasts Political people Actors, companies, you name it She's done it KellyRDeWire.com She does my website. She does a lot of podcasts, big podcasts, like Ologies, which is a great science podcast. So if you're not listening to me talk about musicians, go learn some science stuff. And I think that's it for my intro, everybody. One cool thing you could do is just tell your friends about my show. Next time you're sitting around, be like, hey, you are looking for new music or music you haven't heard or want to listen to a conversation of somebody who you know musically and like? Check out Conversations with Dwyer. Or Dwyer. I feel like I should have just called this show Dwyer. I know I talk about that a lot. I really fucked up. But fucking up is my middle name. Speaking of which, seriously, it is. My parents named me fucking up. Uh but speaking of awesome, great, and super duper, here is my conversation with Bitch. Either man,
1: you're the man, you're the man. Either man, you're the man, you're the man.
0: Did you like Chicago?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Does
0: that sound very enthusiastic. Well, uh, well, no. Uh, well, yeah. It- <laughs> <laughs> what you don't like, uh, lunky frat boys everywhere? There are a lot of those. Boy, if it wasn't for th- that portion of the city, which it, I, it would be probably one of the better places on earth. But it has that faction, and uh, it just fucking ruins everything. <laughs>
1: Oh, the, I used to live right there at Jockstrap Strip. I called it in Wrigleyville.
0: Oh, boy! God, yeah. And ex and I used to live in Old Town, and it was just like every weekend there was like some dude ripping his shirt off. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking. You're like, yeah. It's like you can't keep your shirt on. Slamming a beer. Yeah. No, they can't. <laughs> they can't. You, so you lived in Wrigleyville. Yeah, for,
1: you know, I was there four years, in school for four years, yeah, I lived in the dorms the first year, and then the second year, I think I was in, I think it was my second year I was in Wrigleyville, and then I think was then Boys Town for a while, then Rogers Park.
0: Yeah, that's how it goes, I think, in Chicago. Like, I've lived in so many neighborhoods, it just, I've moved more there than I think I have in my entire life. I know. I don't know what it is.
1: But yeah, Chicago is great. Like, you know, I, I had grown up in the suburbs of Detroit, so it was kind of like my first city, like, living experience. You know, it was a really good, you know, going from suburban America to actually living in a city. It was really great. And and then I moved to New York, right, after I graduated Chicago. So, graduated and- Chicago. Yeah. But- <laughs> Still morning here. It's still morning.
0: I get it. Are you are you in LA at the moment? I'm in LA. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's where I am these days.
1: Oh, cool.
0: Um, but so when you were in the suburb, what Detroit suburb?
1: Um, Birmingham. Do you I've, know that area?
0: No, I don't know why I asked. Yeah, I wanna I <laughs> thought for a second I would know something.
1: For one second,
0: but. I know like your mom taught tap dance in the basement, which just is fascinating to me. I know that's probably a topic you've talked about, but I just, I just imagine you like trying to eat cookies and then just hearing clackety clack.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, it's like at some point I realized like, wow, why is it that I am so connected to rhythm? Cause I'm a violinist, you know? Right. Like violin is my main instrument. But I have such a thing for, you know, my earliest collaborations were always with drummers. Um, You know, I just have such a thing about rhythm. And like, even for this album, like building the beats and, you know, I'm very picky about rhythm. And I'm like, why is that? And I'm like, oh, right. Like uh, the floors in my house, my entire life were just emanating percussion.
0: That's wild. You
1: know? And even my mom, you know, my mom is just. Constantly in rhythm and you know we'll be sitting playing scrabble and she's tapping out some rhythm with her fingers you know it's like her own nervous habit but she's a tap dancer so you know she's basically a drummer
0: that's really interesting i mean like how much of a subconscious influence that would have on you
1: yeah i kind of only put that together a couple years ago like oh no wonder i'm so into beats
0: and it's interesting because that's (laughs) One of the first things I noticed about your music of how rhythm, how rhythmic it is. And like, even oh. the early stuff, it was just, I was like, wow, this stuff is really, I don't know.
1: Oh, you took a deep dive, huh? Into my early catalog.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I try to come in. I my
1: no shame 20s.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. See, that that's it. Because I... Uh, yeah my 20s too i'm like please thank god the internet didn't exist
1: oh, i would be so can fucked. you imagine i know me too me es- too
0: especially when i thought i was like the young lenny bruce oh i'd have been fucked oh. <laughs> oh my god what was the kind of music that was going on during your mom's tap dance class because that could either be a, a nightmare or a gift
1: Always like, you know, she had a lot of um, records that were like instrumentals for tap dancing. But I always remember there was an instrumental of I like an apple on the stick. Shuffle, stop, shuffle, shuffle, step. Falapple change, will change, falapple change. And then there was one, an instrumental of uh, Yellow Submarine that played on loop, I feel like. It was always like the warm up ones that I remember.
0: And do you feel like that was other than the rhythms? do you was that did that spark your curiosity in music, or was that just sort of
1: I mean, I think that was part of it. You know, I feel like I have a lot of different musical influences. like my mom was also a choreographer, so she was very into musical theater. And so she raised us, like, I was always, like, the chorus girl in the back, you know, music man and Annie, and, um, you know, so we grew up, like, my sisters and I grew up singing and knowing how to harmonize, and, you know, my mom was very into singing and musical theater. My dad only listened to jazz, so there was, any time I was in the car with my dad, it was always jazz. So that was a huge influence on me, too. What do you... And then...
0: I yeah, was just ahead. curious to what jazz your dad kind of was into. Though. Like,
1: you know, like classic, you know, like, like the Miles and, and K- Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: Still, and that's then, like hip to get. I think that's important to get that stuff. Like, to have that multiple amount of influence as a young person is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's, rare. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were, my parents were English and like didn't, I don't know, like they didn't ever feel like normal. People. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone's parents
0: did. Right, I've, I'm but you a know, parent. They were, are you? Yeah, and I don't feel normal. I don't feel s- suited to be a, like guiding young people. I can tell you that much. <laughs>
1: That's comforting
0: Yeah I mean I try That's I think more Than my parents do Is I'm trying
1: Yes That's good Yeah Trying is a (laughs) a big aspect That As my mom always says It was a different era In those days My mom says that We didn't try At parenting back then
0: Yeah like, I was, I wrote something the other day online about how my grandfather encouraged drinking at a very young age, and my mom was like, it was a different era. It was like, we knew not to give beer to five-year-olds in that era. Yes. Like, let's, 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 let's settle down.
1: Oh, come on, yeah. It was a different era in your life, maybe.
0: <laughs> That's my mom enabling. Oh, God. And...
1: Yeah, so, and then the other influence I feel like that was big on me was... You know, I I heard, which, okay, just segue, I do hope you come to the Hotel Cafe show next week, because Faith will be there. Oh! Yes, you have to come. Okay. And um, I do go into this quite a bit, because I've kind of written a play for my record release shows, so I do go into this quite a bit, but I I heard the violin for the first time on Sesame Street. I read that. And then I was like, I just became obsessed with it. And I still don't know, was it a past life thing? Cause it's not like any, you know, it's not like there was an instrumentalist in my family, you know, my mom's brother, but you know, they lived in England. I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, I begged my parents for one and I started, so I started playing at four. Wow. And yeah. So I basically also was raised like with a very str- like, you know, pretty intense classical training. You know, which classical music is, I mean, you know, I think about the drama of, be, of playing. Like, I, when we moved to Detroit, like, I auditioned for this, like, youth symphony, you know, with, like, all the kids from the area. And, you know, being able to play in huge orchestras and playing, like, such huge dramatic music, I feel like was a big influence on me.
0: That's wild. And it's, yeah. I'm fascinated by the that at four, you were so, like, drawn to something is really interesting to me.
1: Yeah, I'm like, what, what was going on? I, <laughs> I don't know. I was, like, obsessed with it. My mom always says she, she thought it was, my dad always had these Japanese clients that he was always giving, you know, having over for dinner parties. And she said one time one of these guys came with a violin and I, like, never left his side. You know, so she always says it's that, and I say it's Sesame Street. But either way, it was it came from me.
0: That's so. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like I don't know what I was drawn to as a kid. I don't think there was anything at four that I was so strongly pulled to. That's really like. And I, I'm like, is that is it something cosmic, or is it just maybe that's your right? What you're supposed to do? Yeah,
1: I have no idea.
0: Yeah, I was, like, weirdly drawn to John Belushi as a kid. Not a healthy choice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a big binge Hens- drug addict guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, perfect. That seems like a good role model.
0: Yeah, and, boy, did I want to be him.
1: Fast forward to show business in Chicago.
0: <laughs> yeah, I quickly learned that that was not the, uh, you know, one night in Chicago when my friend was like, let's sell the stereo. And I was like, all right, this is where I... I'm- <laughs> I'm- I'm going to stop the Coke here. And what, where, when did you go from violin and then sort of veer into theater? Cause that's, was there a connection or is it just like, you're just one of those I'm multi-creative people.
1: I, I actually, I, you know, I've thought a lot about this one too, because I actually feel like it was part of my rebellion. Like everyone kind of just assumed I would go to music school and like, you know my grandma, who had you know survived two world wars, and you know basically was always like clipping articles about how much money you know you could make and you know being playing in a symphony, and you know I, I just feel like I was like, oh, you guys want me to do that? Well, I'm not doing that. It's interesting. You know? And like I I was I you know I grew up in in the theater too you know always the chorus girl never the lead Um, (laughs) but in high school you know I did I did a lot of theater as well and I don't know I I auditioned for a couple acting schools and I think the idea of being like going to music school and practicing and studying um, you know it's very isolating like all the practice you have to do and I hated the costumes (laughs) Being in an orchestra I mean those like You know Little House on the Prairie dresses And That we had to wear Like I just didn't like the world of it Um So But in hindsight Like I kind of think You know Going to acting school Was a way to Learn how to be in my body Interesting And like As a musician Like you know They're not talking about any of that You know (laughs) You're not doing breathing exercises Before you like You know do the auditions for the first chair or whatever, you know? So I feel like acting school, like really helped me, you know, become more of a well-rounded performer, you know? And ironically I went back to music, but while I was at acting school, I never played the violin. It was almost like a painful relationship, you know, like I, a little bit felt like I had, you know, given up my child for adoption or something. (laughs) Like it was a very emotional thing, you know, that I, you know, I had my violin at college, but it just always lived under my bed, and I never played it, and um, and I met Animal, my first bandmate, and they really encouraged me to get it out again, you know, and get out of, like, this, I, I had to really, like, release a lot of, like, a competitive feeling that I had grown up with, with classical music, like, you know, the more notes, the better kind of thing. yeah. You know, instead of just, like, playing from your heart and even if it's just one note, like, make it beautiful, you know, those are kinds of the things I feel like I had to undo when I started playing again because, you know, I think it was, like, after practicing every day for an hour since I was four and then not playing for three years, you know, then you start playing again and you're like, oh, my God, I'm, like, tripping over some sonata that I could play at 11 you know, I kind of had to just approach it just completely differently.
0: I was going to ask if, like, stepping away from it did because I know there's a rigidity to music school. And I had a friend who was like, I was constantly being criticized. And he's like, that's not what it's supposed to be. Like, you're supposed to be feeling and expressing, not being critiqued. Yeah. And he was like, I split because it was bullshit. Yeah. And I was wondering yeah. if that, if in a weird way, that like was that break was more yeah. of a bonus.
1: I, I kind of think so. because And also, you know, it's <laughs> like anytime you go away from something, you remember what you love about it too. You know, I mean, even this this album that I just put out, it's been so long since I've put out an album, like, because I literally, you know, tried to not tried to quit, but I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this for a minute. You know, like any job you can just kind of resent, you know, no matter how, how great it is, you know? And then you start doing something else and you're like, Oh God, music is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> But I will say that, you know, uh, meeting animal was a huge part of, yeah, kind of reinventing how I approached music. And then they got me a gift certificate to the old town school of folk music. And I studied, I like walked up to the counter with my gift certificate and they suggested that I study with Andrew Bird, wow. who had also been an ex-classical now moving towards rock, you know, or, you know, his own music. So they paired me with him. I, you know, had my 10 classes with him. And then, you know, took off to Australia and practiced everything I learned with him. And, you know, that really helped open me up to like playing by ear and remembering, you know, in classical music, it's like you're supposed to be practicing at least an hour a day. And anytime you kind of veer away from the written music and you just play from your heart, you know, I always I remember feeling like I was cheating. You know, that if I was doing something that was coming from my own impulses, my own joy, my own love, (laughs) that I was somehow, like, betraying the gods of music.
0: (laughs) That's so interesting to me. And it's wild that you studied with Andrew Bird. Like, I don't know, Chicago, frat boys without their shirts on aside, (laughs) is such a creatively magical place to be, especially when you're young.
1: Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he really, yeah, he opened my, yeah, eyes and ears to a whole other way of playing. He had, I think he had graduated from Northwestern and then just kind of locked himself in a room and with a lot of jazz and like had a tape player where he was just teaching himself jazz solos. He taught himself how to play by ear and how to improvise. And it just kind of opened my eyes to a whole other way of educating yourself, you know?
0: Uh, How did you and Animal meet in in that, and Animal is the one who sort of sparked your music interest again?
1: Yeah, it was definitely like, you know, somebody who, yeah, kind of, uh, I feel like gave me permission to not play by the rules. You know, I was such like a little bit of an uptight, you know, Trained musician, that it was like so hard for me to, you know, an animal would be like, who cares? Like, take a mushroom, like just play one note. It doesn't matter, you know. An animal played um, a djembe, African drum, and you know, so we would just kind of jam out and have, you know, this total psychic connection, and and yeah, they encouraged me to not care about the rules and. You know, we're we're actually making our own music. You know, so I feel like that was really pivotal for me.
0: Yeah, and were you playing around Chicago?
1: Yeah, our first, I, our first, I mean, the first thing we did did we play around Chicago? Our first gig as Bitch and Animal was not in Chicago. It was in the suburbs of Detroit because it was after I went through my soul searching trip to Australia. Um, but. Maybe we played, but we played something at Berlin. Remember that yes. game dance club with a stripper friend of ours? <laughs> you know, we we would do these things where we like accompanied. You know, she she came out in Christmas lights, and we were the weird you know musicians on stage accompanying her. We did things like that, like an art gallery opening. You know, we were just starting to kind of play music, so we hadn't named ourselves Bitch and Animal yet, or anything like that, but. Those were our roots. We met at acting school.
0: Uh, <clears throat> I love that you we met played Paul. God, I—I I mean, I've been to Berlin. Do I remember being at Berlin? Not really. <laughs> it was the night you tried to sell your stereo. <laughs> it might have been. I know. Um, Danita Sparks from L Seven used to. She was from the South Side. Wow. She used to, when she was a teen. She would s- sneak into Berlin.
1: No way.
0: I know it was such a like a.
1: Is it still there? Who knows?
0: I don't know. It's, okay, yeah. The last time I was in Chicago, it's it's just becoming unrecognizable to me.
1: hmm I know.
0: I know. I used to Crazy. think I'd want to go back, and now I go back, and I'm like, nice to visit. Not going to fucking live here. Yeah. What spurned the, or inspired the trip to Australia? Because that's, I think that's good to have a soul-searching trip like that. I wish I could have done that.
1: Yeah. I had, like, I don't know. I, I, I... I always had this, like, love of travel and kind of, like, a wanderlust, and I think I was having, you know, I was so rebellious, um, for all of, for all of the grade of that. It's also a little bit, okay, did you have to just, like, shoot yourself in the foot left (laughs) and right, you know? Like, I was having my, like, these big feminist revelations, and you know, I, I was starting to feel like, Oh my God, like the whole system of acting of like auditioning for these people. Like I had such power, like authority issues, you know? And, um, I think I went on one audition right when I got out of college and I was just like, fuck this. Like, I don't like this feeling. I don't like feeling like I'm, I just felt like I felt like I was begging for a job or something, you know? And, um, I had saved up my money. I was the only girl valet. I used to park cars at that fondue restaurant, Gay I don't
0: know know that that place. place, No. (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. We had such a hustle going on on the streets of Chicago, let me tell you. (laughs) That's a whole separate podcast. Oh, my God. Just like hustling people like you know because the there was a, a music venue next door so then you know we're like sorry we only park cars for the restaurant and they're like, well how about 50 dollars make it 75
0: <laughs> Nice. I love it. That is Chicago.
1: <laughs> oh my god So i saved up some money and I knew I wanted to go on a trip and um, yeah it took six months and I, I bought a plane ticket to Australia. I didn't know anybody there. God. And I stayed in a youth hostel, and I took my violin, and I learned all these songs from Andrew. And I shaved my head. I was like, I'm done with the patriarchy. I'm done with it all. <laughs> I'm going to go reinvent every wheel that was ever meant to be invented. So, yeah, I, I went to Australia, and I'd flip in. I used to play in the subway. Like, I, I just practiced all the time.
0: That's that's amazing. And the, I would say the courage, because I, I don't know, that's courageous. I would have been terrified and not done it because I didn't. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I was always saying that I was going to go to India. And then I got terrified at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to Australia instead.
0: Uh, still very courageous. <laughs> India, you know. I always wanted to visit India as well, and everybody I know who went said it's amazing. Have you been since? Yeah,
1: I've never been, no.
0: I want to see the old Buddhist temples, and Mm. there's also a bunch of... uh, There was a documentary that I saw about, like, all the old ancient... They just look fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I, I can't believe I haven't gone yet.
0: Well, you still can.
1: I don't yeah. know if you were
0: aware of that. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you're wel- Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm very wise. <laughs> um, yeah, I know what you mean about the auditioning, though. And I got—I uh, remember when I auditioned in New York for, for the one and only time I auditioned in New York. It was completely different than my experience is in auditioning into Chicago. They kind of made you feel like shit in Chicago.
1: Oh, and New York, they didn't.
0: I remember the person was very helpful in my audition in New York, and I, and I to the level where I thanked her, and she's like, "Yeah, it's my job. And in Chicago, they made you feel like like, they just played status games. And once I left, I was like, "Oh, you're you' small town fucks. Wow, how interesting. It was really drastically different. and And I auditioned in LA a bunch, and it was like very different friendlier or not friendlier way friendlier mm-hmm. and like not just no attitude bullshit like in Chicago they made you feel like very lucky to be there and it's like
1: yeah that's so interesting because that's where that audition was and I was like fuck this
0: <laughs> you made the right choice because it shouldn't be that way it's just just
1: right chip on their and sh- how are you gonna get somebody's good like best work out of them yeah. If you're, like, kind of making them feel like an asshole or... You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Michael Shannon always was auditioning for the same parts as me, so I didn't have a shot anyway. <laughs> 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 Anytime I saw him in the room, I was like, I'm fucked. There's oh, no way.
1: God. <laughs> I should just go home right now.
0: But you continue to act, right? I mean, you're in Short Bus.
1: A little bit, yeah. Short Bus, you know, um, yeah. They're, which they're just re... <laughs> Rescreening.
0: Oh, I can uh,
1: That see was that. a very, a very fun experience. Oh, I yeah, I can invite you. We're doing it one more time in L.A. Here, I'll let you know when that is.
0: Please do. He is astounding. I, I saw Hedwig like when he did it at, at uh, Jane Street Theater, and I was just like, "Holy oh, fuck!
1: Wow! Oh wow! Yeah, he's he's truly gifted. His acting." I mean, wait, to, have you seen Short Bus?
0: I haven't, which I'm ashamed of because I've wanted to forever.
1: Okay, I'm glad you're deepening your shame spiral.
0: I, wait, productive. I, Irish Catholic from Chicago. I mean, what, what, yeah, I, what do you what expect?
1: Else? <laughs> what else? Exactly. Um, yeah, Short Bus is very moving. And, like, you know, it really, even seeing it this this time, you know, now that I've had, you know, more distance from it, I'm, like, very, you know, John's such a great artist, and I've always, like, really admired him as an actor, and, yeah, seeing Short Bus again, I'm like, oh, my God, he, he dreamed this whole thing up, and just his direction, and his understanding of characters and story, and, yeah, he's, he's amazing.
0: What made you t- step away for 15, and did you really go live in a cabin for 15 years? I did.
1: No. No. Was that, was that what I said?
0: No, I, I thought I... I thought, <laughs> yes, you I'm did. Like,
1: wait, what typo is that? I no, thought I okay. read that
0: you... Or I know you didn't do music for 15 years, correct?
1: Well, this is my first album in nine years. Yeah, so the, my last album came out in 2013. So, but it's like, I wasn't, it's not that I wasn't doing music because a lot of these songs that are on Bitchcraft, you know, started in that time that I was like, okay, I'm done, you know, sick of this, or, you know, <laughs> um, you know, so it's like, I, I was still making stuff. I just was was never necessarily planning to share it. And I was just done, you know, with the whole sharing machine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, being an artist is hard.
0: I've quit so many things, so many times, and but then it's like it doesn't like, uh, and I it's like, am I brainwashed? Like it just keeps clicking around in your head, ideas yep. and thoughts, and like, oh, what about this? Yeah, and I can't help yourself. You can't. That's the that's the thing
1: as an artist. Like, I guess I have to do this. You know, I guess it's my calling. You know, and I actually was approaching these songs in this way of like I may like I may never share these songs. Like I just kind of wanted to make something that I felt. You know, it was like I, I suddenly didn't have the pressure of like a timeline, you know, and it made me able to. Yeah, there's a freedom in that, you know.
0: Yeah, it's almost similar to when you walked away from Violin just having
1: yeah yeah and like I I came back to it a a now that I'm releasing it and like back out in the world like it it it's a reminder of how much it
0: means to me was there any hesitance to release it just because I know that feeling of like putting it out there can be gut-wrenching
1: oh yeah Of course, like, am I really gonna? You know, it's so vulnerable. Yeah, so vulnerable sharing your insides. (laughs) You know. Yeah. It's like, oh God, you know, alert the haters. You know, they're gonna come. (laughs) 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 And you know, now I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I guess you know, as soon as Taylor Swift sang about having haters, I was like, oh, okay, we can all we all have haters. I, I I thought it was just me.
0: Yeah, did <laughs> you
1: it, have to make anyway?
0: Was it business? The business aspect that made you say "fuck this" at first, or was it a, was it multiple things?
1: I think, um, yeah, probably just the business. I mean, if I was like, you know, you know, there's so many elements to it, but yes, I'd say it's the business machine of it. You know, I think, I think being a woman. In any business, gets hard, and you get picked apart for things that you know. Feel like, really, is this <laughs> is this what we're talking about?
0: I, I mean, it's. <laughs> I feel it's hellish, and I'm not a woman, and that just like I'm like I don't I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine, and I've you know I've obviously heard stories. It's just like. God, I fucking hate the business
1: (laughs) Oh my god, I know And if I didn't like love my people so much You know, it's like I think ultimately as artists Like we love people And we love like Okay, you don't
0: (laughs) I love people I just like, you know, uh, from afar In doses, yes, from
1: afar From your podcast studio
0: Yeah, I don't hate people at all Well, that's not fair either (laughs)
1: Anyway, so I lived in that log cabin. I left New York in a total fit of like, okay, I've got to get out of here. I'm just part of this whole capitalist machine. I went to this log cabin, and I was there for three years. So, yeah, it was not 15 years.
0: (laughs) Still three years? How secluded was it?
1: Pretty secluded, but, you know, I would still go out and tour. So it's not like I was just there with my firewood, you know? (laughs) It was like, I had a partner, you know, we would go out and tour. So it's like, I still saw people and, but it was in Northern Michigan. So about three hours North of where my parents live and like where I grew up. And yeah, there was something very, um, I mean, if I could live in a cabin in the woods for the rest of my life, I would love that. I I'm a total nature person. And like, there's something about, that kind of quiet and that kind of just peace, you know And I love being, I loved, of course, being able to come and go, you know
0: Yeah, as I get older, I used to, when I was young, I was like, I'll always live in a city And then now I'm like, no thanks Like, it's mm-hmm. just, like, too much And I lived yeah. in New York for a while, too, and it's like, New York My brain couldn't be still, like, it just was it, Always, 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 always something
1: Yes, yeah
0: Did you like New York?
1: I did Oh that's Okay that's where you got To 15 years I was in New York For 15 years So I apparently liked it Or I was a glutton For punishment Or something
0: Yeah I don't know I I just I never feel like I belong anywhere Like I've never I lived in New York Didn't feel like I belonged there I've lived in LA 20 years And I Oh wow Don't I mean I'm used to it (laughs) Like I like it But I'm not like Right But you don't feel like You
1: belong
0: I just always feel like I'll go somewhere else which is maybe how I'll always feel, so I don't know.
1: Where are, your, like, where are you from? We
0: grew up in the northwest suburbs of okay, Chicago, Chicago. And then I fled as quickly as I could to the city because mm-hmm. I did not fit in with uh, mm-hmm. the... Because my town was very trashy and macho. Lot of got my, uh, I got my ass kicked a lot. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I got beat that up. That stuff never leaves you. It doesn't. What made you decide to? I know you were working on these songs, and you, it's interesting that the whole. I wanted to. Sorry, I'm jumping thoughts, but like you said, okay. uh, I'm going to do these just for myself. But you can't really do that, can you?
1: No, no. It turns out we're, <laughs> you know, we're communal beings. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no. If 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 only this forest hears this, it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean... Okay, so what, was the, what were you going to ask me? Like, what made me start releasing it?
0: What, what sparked that desire, yeah.
1: I don't, okay, basically... This woman, Emily, who is an old friend who um, was my... I think we can never even remember. Like, were you our publicist? I can't remember. But she, she worked with me in Animal for many years and worked with us through our breakup which was epic and, um, was always, and, and then, you know, I kind of, I went solo and I got a new manager and whatever. We just kind of went our separate ways. And then, um, we saw each other again in LA, like in maybe 2018. And, um, she had, she had started saying like, Oh, you know, I was like, can you believe it has been 20 years since I released my first album, which of course was with animal And she was like, oh, my God, you guys should do a reunion. Like, let's organize this. And um, I was like, okay. But also, I kind of do want you to hear, like, some of the new songs I've been working on. You know, I couldn't help myself. (laughs) And I played her um, an early version of You're the Man, which is the first track of, of Bitchcraft. And then I played her, I think I had a version fairly done of Easy Target and she was like oh you have to release this stuff like it's you know she just like got behind me and she was like i don't care the world needs it like i don't care like what your you know boohoo ego <laughs> problems are you know with like not wanting to be an artist again in the world <laughs> not wanting to subject yourself to humiliation and poverty <laughs> she was like i don't care the world needs this music and she like got behind me and she was like we're doing this and she made me finish you're the man and we made a video for it and we put it out in 2019 and that's what and then kill Rockstars slim um who had just kind of gotten back into kill Rockstars, he had taken a, a break from Kill Rockstar is kind of the same amount of time that I had taken a break from music and um, he heard it and he was like I love like the new direction you're going I love this kind of pop sound Um, I want you to make a full album so it was like it was really you know other people encouraging me which as you know with our fragile egos (laughs) very important yes Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, it was, like, two people who I very much respect um, who just said, like, you're not allowed to keep this from the world. You know, which meant a lot to me.
0: Yeah, I could imagine. Like, especially when you go through those phases of, I don't know, internal struggle over your creativity. That could be a real motherfucker.
1: Oh, yeah, the worst. You know?
0: Especially if you have, like a loss like you, you know when something doesn't where you're like i'm gonna do this thing it's gonna be great and no no okay <laughs> it's like yeah i had that recently and it was just like it's almost like losing someone you love where you're like oh that thing i put my soul into is gone gone <sighs> but anyway showbiz
1: showbiz man showbiz
0: <laughs> do you write because you said you wrote a play for the do you write scripts as well
1: You know, I I haven't, but this this foray, actually, faith gifted me. Um, I had, you know, I've been dying to either write a memoir or have some way in to tell my story, and it's always been very overwhelming for me, you know, when somebody's just like, you can, you know, write about your life, you know?
0: It's It's hard. It's hard. Where
1: do I start? Yeah, and like, what's the... You know, and I have had a very, you know, odd life, you know. I mean, I lived for 15 years in an RV, like, you know, (laughs) hurtling around the country, you know, in a feminist band. So, um, anyway, Faith gifted me to work with this friend of hers that is, excuse me, this friend of theirs that is an amazing kind of director, memoir writer person. So she basically helped me craft this whole story to tell to it it kind of tells the story of my life as a musician as like my trajectory as a musician that has landed me in this moment presenting bitchcraft. So it it takes a little like journey through my kind of past and yeah it makes it, it it's it's yeah it's it's kind of like a little play it's scripted so Are, this is kind of my first foray into that. I am also working on this kid's show with a friend of mine, but you know, we're the creators. I, I hope I get to be part of writing the scripts too. But yeah, it's a new, a new foray for me.
0: Uh, but, I mean, you've been in that for so long, it seems like a natural... In
1: yeah. Yes, for sure.
0: Are you thinking about doing like a stage Instead of like a memoir Like a stage Because I I know Ray Davies Did a similar thing Where he did like Told his life story But With his music And it was just him Like a one person Thing I gotta look that up I'm taking I don't know if he ever Like filmed it or anything I just know He ended up dating My roommate in Chicago (laughs) It was very She waited tables At Second City And I just I just remember Picking up the phone One night after hard drinking and having ray davies on the phone it was just like and i'm a kinks fan but like when you're like been out till four and ray davies on (laughs) is on the phone at nine it's just
1: you're not your best self even with ray davies no
0: and you're just like i never expected ray davies to call my apartment in Wicker Park
1: (laughs) isn't that crazy god moments like that I know
0: I never met him that's the weird thing he dated my roommate and I I did but you know I got to talk to Ray Davies on the phone so that's a win
1: and the conversation went like this
0: no she's not here
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay great
0: talk great uh really liked your (laughs) albums okay (laughs) Uh, are, are you thinking about doing Or like a sort of a film Film version of it that's I would was, love
1: to yeah that's, I would love to Yeah I would love for it to be like a Netflix special
0: Yeah I, I feel this is gonna happen Ooh. Just like I gave you Permission to go to Australia
1: Yes <laughs> <laughs> Thank you <laughs> Thank you. And so mode it
0: be oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was so inspiring For your entire life <laughs> I really, I, I do, do I get thanks on the album? I should, shouldn't yeah. I? Thank, no, I think go. you
1: get points. I think you get points for this. <laughs> oh, good.
0: Are you, so are you going to go back and create more music after this? Cause it seems like the response has been very positive. So that must be encouraging.
1: It is encouraging. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. Every time I finish an album, like when I'm, you know, when I get to the last few weeks, like that final push, You know, this is my, it's my ninth album, but I also produced two albums of Farron, who you might know. You should look her up. She's amazing. Okay. She's like the lesbian Johnny Cash.
0: Awesome. I'm in.
1: But anytime I get to like this last push of an album, I'm like, I'm never,
0: never doing this again. It's exhausting. It's just so
1: much work. I'm just like the final details and oh my god, you know. And then I take a couple months off and I'm like, "Ooh, I can't wait to start it all over again,"
0: you know? Did you have that long delay between finishing recording and cuz I had a friend who they've they had to they like finished recording and they had to wait till the vinyl was pressed and that just seems like a fucking shit show.
1: Yeah, it's been a year. Since I turned in the final... Well, I turned it in around my birthday last year, end of March. So it's, you know, it's almost a year since it's been done.
0: That's also got to be weird, that limbo.
1: Ah, but also, you know, these days with all the music videos and everything, it's like I've been still... I turned in the album, but then it's been nonstop doing all the visuals, the photo shoots, the video shoots, you know? I mean, I just shot another music video last week. Like, it is just... Still going Have you directed Sorry go ahead
0: Have you directed any of your videos No Do you want to Yeah maybe I hadn't even thought of that It seems (laughs) uh, natural to me I give you permission to do so
1: Thank you so (laughs) much (laughs) The voice of permission has spoken Your points just went up
0: Yeah you've helped my esteem a lot Because no one listens to me (laughs) Well, so thank you. Oh, I adore you. <laughs> um, well, I, for whatever it's worth, I think the album's great. Like, I really, really thank love... Thank you. Oh, I know what I want to ask you, and this is a total Yay, jump backwards. Okay. But the uh, Annie DeFranco, who's also a badass... Yes. Really heard you play in a pizza shop? and Because and that, that seems like... Okay, it's a little bit of an exaggeration. I was going to say, that's like, you know, somebody was having a... You know a chocolate soda at the at the Schwab's. You know what the fuck is it? You know the drugstore where everyone got yeah. discovered in Hollywood.
1: Yeah, it's okay. It wasn't quite okay. The guy who owns the pizza shop in P Town, Spiritus, also has this restaurant. And okay, this is just a little quick story about mine and animals hustler go get them attitude. Okay, <clears throat> we had had this kind of crazy roommate situation in Brooklyn where I had invited one of my friends from high school, who's this great painter. I had invited her to live with us. For some reason, like, didn't ask her to pay any rent. Whatever. She's she's living with us. And, like, slowly, like, kind of started taking over our lives. Like, you know, making us lock up our cat because, you know, she was allergic. And, like, really kind of the whole situation got a little bananas. So Animal and I had heard about this town on the end of the Cape. And we had been playing around New York, you know, Um, had started to get a little bit of a name for ourselves. And we heard about this town, P Town, that it was all gay, okay? Or, you know, mostly gay. So we were like, oh, let's just go there, right? I think you know, we're both working these shitty jobs, whatever. Had never visited, knew nobody, booked a U-Haul, took our cat literally left this woman who was living in our apartment like left her the lease left her the recliner left her the bed (laughs) we're just like goodbye (laughs) we just like left so we go to p-town we rent this little shack on the beach and um started going around to the clubs to like try to get a gig and like we went to like the lesbian club And the woman was like, oh, you kids, like you don't know, you know, how it works in this town. And she's showing us like the eight by ten glossies of all the people who are playing there, you know, and just like, you know, giving us so much shade that like we would dare to just like walk into her office and be like, we're great. (laughs) Fuck us, you know, (laughs) and you know, all these people just like schooling us on how like the music business in that town works. So, we hear about this guy, Jingles, who owns the pizza place and also owns this like restaurant. It's like this seafood restaurant. And we hear about him that sometimes he lets bands play at his restaurant. So, we're like, okay. So, we like go, we talk to Jingles, and you can imagine what me and Animal must have looked like, you know, back in our 20s. You know, we, you know, you hadn't seen a lot of people like us, okay? (laughs) So, he's kind of just like charmed, this like older straight dude, you know? He's just like kind of tickled by us. He's like, Well, let me hear what you play, you know So we like run back to our shack Grab our instruments, we come back We play him two songs, and he's like How about every Sunday night? It'll be a free show You'll pass the tip jar and I'll pay you $200 Whoa. every time and We're like, fine Because a lot of the shows there too, like you have to bark for them because it's all about like you know their fifteen dollar tickets. Nobody had ever heard of us. Like who was going to pay to see us? Nobody. So like the idea of us playing a free show was perfect. So we started you know like hung up our posters whatever, and we quickly it became kind of like this locals you know thing to do. You know like our we played one show and then like the word got around you know because it's a very small town so we started having like the biker gang in town that would show up and just like such an eclectic mix of audience. And it was just, it was kind of just perfect because we weren't out there like trying to hustle our ticket sales or anything. It was just kind of like they came to us and it quickly just became like the thing to do. So when, um, Ani's best friend, Heidi, who ran her merch for many years, came to town to visit, um, her friends. And she was told you have to go see bitch and animal. And so we met her. So it was her that saw us and we met her after the show. And we're like, you know, Ani was my total idol. And I handed her my cassette or cassette tape, you know, that I had hand drawn the cover of. And we were like, please play this for Ani. And she did. And Ani like book, like, you know, we got a call like two weeks later, like you're, you know, Come play a- Amherst. Um, they say it Amherst. Mass. <laughs> so we were like, oh, okay, we'll just quick drive to Seattle and make an album. So we have something to sell at that show. So that's like why we made an album. <laughs>
0: <Wow>. <laughs>
1: because we got a gig with Ani. <laughs>
0: that's crazy, though. Yeah. It also speaks to how cool she is that, you know.
1: I know that she took it like what a chance she took on us. And I mean, she didn't offer us a whole tour. She we played one show, and then she offered us a whole tour. Still, you know, but still, I know. Sight unseen, like, crappy. She- I know. With our homemade tape, yeah. So she is. She's a total badass. Still, yeah.
0: It's. Does she get as much credit as she deserves? Do you think? Cause I feel I like don't think the, so. the, the influences, I forget what podcast I listened to like a year ago. And I, I, I was just floored by her, like just on so many levels, how cool and insightful and just doing things like that too. is like that, which yeah. is, I believe if you're in that power, that's what you should be doing. Don't be
1: totally. Yeah. And she's just been so, yeah, she's been so ahead of her time for so long. And you know, I mean, i just started following her on tiktok recently so they're playing like kind of these old interview footage things with her i'm like oh my god she was talking about this shit so long ago you know about the music business and about you know not selling out and i mean you know she she
0: walks the walk well i will <laughs> let you go i want to thank this has been such a pleasure i've loved it every second thank you so Me very too.
1: much Either
0: very much for listening to conversations with the wire please become a patreon subscriber if you like also subscribe to the show on your itunes or what have you not and tell your friends about the show that would mean a lot to me as well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or the mattdwyer.com or conversations with the wire at the instagram and you could learn more about the show buy merch and all those great things thank you very much for listening